0: with the old. He began to run the final stretch to the four-story tenement where his mama and papa lived. He knew he wasn't fast like the other kids with their long, thin legs. His were what his papa called marching legs, thick but not fat. Yet, papa used to tell him about the marching men back in the old country. Mama would watch papa as he told the stories of their former hometown of the drums beating loudly, and the young men marching through the streets, arms raised and waving flags wildly. "'Give us war!' they had cried, and Papa now knew they had gotten what they wanted, and that all it had meant for many of them was death. And he was grateful that he and Mama had escaped to America." That was in 1914, Papa had said. Mama! Mama! What's the matter, Bertho? She looked at her son with pride. He was strong, already, and smart, just like his father. Antonio would have been a dottore back home, but they both knew they could not stay there. Now, her Tonio ate the fire every day for them. There's a dead lady in the river. She's under the bridge, and Angie and me saw her. She's sad, mamma. She doesn't want to be there. Antonio, come quick, listen what your son say. Antonio Gallini sat tired from his evening shift work at the foundry, but he rose from the patched-up chair his Anna had sewed and fixed. He had brought it home from where he'd found it in front of the rich man's house. His powerful arms, strengthened by countless hours forging the heavy metal tools at work, easily carried the chair atop his stocky body. Que cosa, cara mia? He listened as his son repeated the sad story. Then he put on his street clothes and walked the four blocks to the police station. They didn't have a telephone. And returned. Soon, the boy heard the wail of the siren as the police wagon headed toward the river. By then, his papa, too tired to do anything else, had returned to the old chair, which Anna stood behind, rubbing his neck, until he fell asleep. Poor Tonio, she thought. But it was worth telling the police. Herberto would be a big man, an important man, someday. He would live in a big house, He wouldn't live like this. She smiled at her son. Already he looked like his papa when they first met. She handed him the last apple from the bare table as he ran outside again. But he wasn't going to play. He made a beeline for the police station, where he knew they would take the dead lady. That's where the Dottores would examine her and try to find out what hurt her. He had read that in a book in the library—a book he wasn't supposed to read, because it was in the grown-up's area, but he'd read it anyway. He saw the police wagon in the driveway behind the red-brick building and ran to the large double-door side entrance. It was open, and he looked each way before walking along the darkened corridor. He heard the voices of policemen in the different rooms, but he was careful not to get caught. He saw a light shining under another set of big doors. He read the letters on the door—Morgue. Like Mortha, he thought. Slowly he pushed one of the doors partway open and saw them—two men dressed in long white gowns, like the priests at Easter Mass. They moved slowly, talking quietly to each other in words he didn't understand their heads covered in white caps, their hands enveloped up to their mid-forearms in heavy dark-brown rubber gloves. Then he saw her, lying stretched out on a table in the middle of the room. A sheet-covered part of her, leaving her feet, stomach, chest, and head exposed. She looked like she was sleeping. He saw one of the men in white Take a big knife and make a cut right into her belly.